Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guests are two members from our Banking and Financial Services Committee. First is Sumit Mehta. He is a cannabis strategist and an internationally recognized speaker, as well as the author of Mazakali Green Paper, an authoritative voice on deep industry trends in its sixth year of publication with over 70,000 readers. In addition to his role at Mazakali, Sumit serves on several cannabis company boards and is the chair of NCIA's Banking and Financial Services Committee. My second guest is Cliff Watmore, who is the president of MAB Investments and Evolve Capital Partners, where he applies the rules of behavioral behavioral finance and economics to develop novel investment strategies and wealth governance solutions. Cliff started early stage investing in biotechs and CPG companies before focusing on the cannabis space in 2014. He submitted studies on private companies' valuations using behavioral pricing models. He also has several successful exits over $500 million, that's a lot of zeros, and taking companies to the public markets. Also has a strong background in food science, including launching a nutraceutical matcha plus a sports beverage, and is a member of the Institute of Food Technology and Research Chefs Association. And as I mentioned, both are members of NCIA's Banking and Finance Committee. So thanks to you both for joining me today and being on the show. Let's jump right in and get to know you both a little bit better in addition to the bios that I read uh, to learn more about your background and experience before moving into the cannabis space. Sumit, would you like to begin? Sure thing, Bethany. Thanks for having me on. Delighted to be here. Uh, My background is entirely in finance. I spent 20 years on Wall Street prior to joining the industry full-time starting my career at Merrill Lynch in 1996, leaving JP Morgan in 2016. I, in that time frame, did a number of different things in finance, including running and managing investment portfolios, managing institutional relationships, managing personal accounts, and designing portfolios for investment with deep industry analysis. I left JP Morgan in 2016 and haven't looked back since. <laughs> Sounds like quite a story. I know uh, I know the Wall Street world is very um, high impact as well, which probably set you up well for the cannabis industry. <laughs> so Cliff, let's also get to know more about you as well and your background and 
what kinds of things you were you were doing before moving into this cannabis space. Great. Well, well thanks for having us here today. Um, you know, before cannabis, I was uh, running MAB Investments. Uh, it's a small family office down here in Sarasota, Florida. And, um, you know, we, we run a fairly, fairly vanilla portfolio. And, uh, you know, 2014, we had uh, uh, a ballot initiative here in Florida trying to get uh, cannabis on the uh, in the Constitution. And although that failed, it seemed like uh, pretty much everyone in the world who uh, went to college and uh, maybe had a good time there was going to be the new uh, the new cannabis entrepreneur. And that just led us to uh, start looking into the space a little bit more. We found a couple of industry groups and started making some investments. Um, it's uh, it's proven to be a very interesting ride. And, uh, you know, we're still waiting for some of those uh, guys who went to college to really prove their worth. But I, I think there's some good stuff going on uh, all the way through. And that, that's pretty much how we landed in the cannabis space. Gotcha. That's a pretty funny anecdote about, you know, hey, I I, I consumed it in college. I must be an expert, right? <laughs> uh, you, you, would, you wouldn't believe the stories. It's, it's, uh, I'm sure you have your own, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the why and the how of moving into the cannabis space from, from these other industries uh, that you both worked in. Um, you know, knowing cannabis is still federally illegal and uh, has many, many challenges. What, what, what was that moment for you um, and, and your reason for deciding to go all in, Sumit? Yeah, thanks, Bethany. I think I'll pick up where Cliff left off with his example, because I did look at, uh, I did open a brewery once in Chicago after uh, brewing beer at home. So it does, it does, uh, <laughs> you, you can get the kicks pretty easily. And one of the investors in my brewery uh, came to me in 2012 and told me that his brother was starting a cannabis business. And I told him he was crazy. And he came back a year later and, and told me to take a look at some of the companies that his brother's business was starting to invest in. So I put on my investment hat and started taking a look at the industry in 2013. Uh, fast forward a year later, I started placing my own capital in 2014. And I did that for a couple of years when I got to know a lot of the players and I got to meet people like Cliff and, and other folks that made me realize that this industry was full of very passionate, very uh, driven people who simply wanted the freedom of having a commercial relationship with the plant. And that realization in 2016 turned into somewhat of an epiphany when I also realized that it wasn't enough for me to just put my capital into the industry. I also felt compelled to add my time and effort. And with that realization, I left a 20 year career and left JP Morgan to join the industry full time. And that's what I've been very fortunate, very grateful, and very delighted to have done ever since. Awesome. That's a great story. And there's there's definitely a lot of reasons for people to be in the industry, uh, for the heartstrings to get pulled, for the, the, the dollars and cents to just make sense to take that risk. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. And how about you, Cliff? What was that? How was that leap for you or shimmy into the cannabis <laughs> industry? Well, you know, it's um, it's a little different. You know, uh, this industry, luckily at this point in time, has a lot of different people in it, and guys like Sumit who are 
very financially savvy and really dial it, really dialed into the numbers. And uh, my, my journey was a little bit different. You know, like I said, it, we just started getting approached by um, lots of different people with, you know, some good ideas and some poor ideas. And when we took a step back and really kind of looked at um, looked at cannabis as a uh, as a product that's been around, and you know, most certainly since all of us have been been alive, uh, you know, it's it's been there, and as long as our parents have been alive, it's been there. And we, when you start to really look at the plant itself, it's been in every single medical pharmacopoeia ever written. It's gone back through the ages. And when you look at a product like that and a sector like that, it's going to last. Um, there's, uh, there's something that, that I like to call myth theory. Um, you know, thousands of years ago, people believed that uh, lightning was thrown by a guy on a mountaintop. Um, but at the end of the day, the people that live there, the, the Socrates, the Plato's, those were smart people. And just because time has passed and we've proved some of those things to be incorrect, we call it a myth. You know, things like chairs, they have survived. Things like cannabis have survived. And with that premise, I can only assume that it's going to survive going forward. And um, we saw that there was a, a tide turning, and I thought it was time to explore and jump in. And, and as that tide has turned, we've uh, committed some more resources. We've, we've been involved uh, trying to put a little bit of our, obviously, financial capital, but also our social and uh, educational capital involved there as well. Um, and I, I think it's 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 picked up some some things along the way that have really started to make it a much uh, a much more uh, important part of our sociological fabric um, than maybe when I first started. And I'm I'm still happy to not necessarily carry the torch, but uh, throw a bottle of water to the people that are. So that that's how I got in. That was our excellent our big premise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's it's a big ship we're steering here, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have just a minute before our first commercial break. Uh, but Sumit, could you just briefly tell me uh, what's happening at Mazakali and um, what your day-to-day -day is like? Sure thing. Mazakali is a company that I built primarily to help companies raise capital and to help investors place capital and do it in a way that is licensed, that is regulated, that is controlled, and that is overseen by regulatory bodies such as the SEC and FINRA. And FinCEN as well, given that we're in the cannabis space. Mm -hmm. uh, we use a broker dealer in San Francisco. We are a registered investment advisor. And we have a piece of technology that takes all of the wonderful paperwork involved in private equity investments, digitizes and automates it to provide both parties, the issuers, as well as the investors, a seamless experience that allows them to conduct business in a way that is controlled, regulated, and technology-driven. Excellent. Uh, Cliff, briefly for you as well, what's what's happening with uh, MAB Investments? Well, and, you know, right now we're, um, we're always looking at new projects. Right now we've been uh, trying to deploy a little bit more of our uh, social and um, and personal capital as opposed to economic capital. I think that there's a lot of uh, companies out there that are really doing some great stuff on a lot of different levels and they need a little bit of help. So we're, 
we're working on boards with some companies, making sure they have the proper governance, making sure they uh, can know what to expect um, with some companies uh, with new markets coming on. Um, and, you know, through that process, we're finding some, uh, some guys that are really going to do some great things in the future. And we're just uh, trying to make sure that these new markets come in, have good, solid new players. Digging it. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Let's take that first commercial break and we'll be right back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with NCIA, chatting with a couple members who sit on NCIA's Banking and Finance Committee. So your your group is taking on, the committee I mean, uh, is taking on various issues this year, ranging from raising capital for your business to the Safe Banking Act at the federal level. So let's start with the topic of raising capital for cannabis businesses, which is still federally illegal. I must remind everyone in case we forgot. So walk us through the process here of starting from having the brilliant idea while brushing your teeth to having a full-fledged business. How, how do you get from A to Z in the cannabis industry, Cliff? Well, that's, uh, you know, there's a lots of different ways to start. You can uh, be uh, three guys in a PowerPoint and uh, just go for it. Or, you know, you can go the caregiver route and be making uh, some uh, confections for a, a child with epilepsy. So there's lots of different routes to get involved. One of the things that we're seeing right now is getting those early steps going, taking that leap to form a real business um, is really where a lot of people need some help, whether it's, you know, incorporating correctly, getting the right legal advice, accounting advice, not to mention the uh, ever-present uh, issues with banking. A lot of these guys who start have an idea, idea goes to a business, then they need to get a little bit of help. And so that's really where I've been watching a lot of these new projects, whether it's a processor in Massachusetts or a, uh, a, a large grow that's trying to establish in, uh, in Florida. Um, there's large level businesses and then there's these small new guys who just need to get the, the basic business fundamentals under control. And that's really where I see the start happening. Gotcha. Sumit, what would you like to add to that question? Yeah. Uh, in terms of getting a business funded, regardless of what the idea is in terms of scale, I think it helps to look at the process you're using and also recognize that the capital environment has changed. The players have changed and the world has changed. 
I think it helps to think of raising capital for your business very similarly to how you might think about selling your house. You wanna have all your paperwork in order. You want to really clean up your house and make it look nice. And you wanna invite as many people to your showings as possible. And for a business, taking care of paperwork effectively ensures that investors can do adequate and complete diligence. And you're likely gonna wanna get professionals involved with its preparation. Uh, cleaning up your house means providing buyers with a nice experience. And as an investor myself, I'm constantly shuffled from email to PowerPoint to Dropbox to DocuSign, which is at best an inefficient process. And this inefficiency, frankly, is uh, what drove us to create our, our online marketplace. And lastly, you want to invite as many people to your house as possible. And the shutdown uh, related to COVID has really helped here as uh, going digital has flattened the globe. It costs the same to meet with someone across town as it does someone across the world. So our advice to companies is to clean up your paperwork, make it institutional quality, provide investors with a seamless experience, and look at your total addressable investor market as the world in addition to your current social circle. Absolutely, that's great advice. So, all right, so depending on where somebody is in that process, which I'm sure it can take a while. I mean, um, I haven't personally sold a house before, but even that process can take months from what I've seen. Um, so whether you're at the brushing your teeth with the brilliant idea phase, or, or you're further along in the process where maybe your flagship store has opened and now you want to expand and open five more locations, what are what are some of the different ways um, that that people raise the money they need depending on the stage they're at? I suppose, Cliff. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one of the most important things. I think as you as in any business, when you're putting the project together, you've come to a certain point where you need to take on extra capital, outside capital. You need to really be honest with yourself about what stage you're in as a business. Um, you know, you can start off as most all of us do by bootstrapping. You're going to get every credit card you can apply for and max it out. And once all that's done, you're ready for, a, you know, a new stage. And that's generally start by getting some, some of the people, you know, those really close relationships, that friends and family round. One of the big problems I've seen with this type of financing is that people think it's more than what it is. And they go out to all of their friends and family and really try and raise too much capital at this stage. When an investor looks at a business, they're gonna look at those previous funding rounds and they didn't need to see that, was that funding round matched up to the stage? Did you just raise a little bit of money at the friends and family round to get those documents in the order? So when the, the really advanced uh, broker dealer set, when Sumit comes to look at your project, it's at that level. You haven't given away too much capital. You've done a, proper note that uh, that is acceptable to the next round. And that's going to really man that round to your stage is really what's going to set you apart in the later stages when you have proof of concept, when you have the clientele that's really behind you, when you all of your supporters are really backing you and you're ready for that, that big jump to that to those new five stores, that's when you really need to uh, to look at it and realize that those early rounds are very important. 
Interesting. Yeah. Sounds like there's multiple levels of raising money potentially along the way. Sumit, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts? I agree with that. that There certainly are multiple levels of raising money from the initial credit card uh, source of capital and friends and family that are just going to trust you or support you because they care about you to the much later stages of funding, which could include either a public listing where the, the general public is funding your growth and or large institutional investments where there will be a lot more scrutiny on all of your business dealings than perhaps your your uncle down the road might do. And capital preparation and capital readiness are paramount in addressing the latter crowd. I will also share that the SEC has become far more accommodative of private companies raising capital from retail investors without going public especially after the passage of Reg CF, which is crowdfunding, and Reg A, which is another regulation, both passed after the Jobs Act in 2015. I would encourage companies to look at those in addition to what the traditional route has been, which is Regulation D. And once someone can understand how accommodative the SEC has become, I think one also can embrace the idea that the entire private equity landscape in the US, perhaps for the first time in our history, has become far more democratized and accommodative of retail participation. What this means, and I'll end with this, Bethany, is that your customer base and investor base don't have to look drastically different. And that's a new concept that I think companies would be well served to embrace. Interesting, huh? All right, that's that's some good advice for our listeners. Uh, before we take our last commercial break and wrap up our conversation with Sumit and Cliff, uh, I do wanna mention that your committee has a webinar coming up through NCIA on May 12th, I believe. Uh, so people can register uh, now for that. The name of the uh, the name of the webinar is, Are You Ready for the New Wave? of cannabis capital. And it sounds like you might be touching on some of those topics in that webinar. Uh, So listeners, be sure to head to thecannabisindustry.org. And under the events header is where we have the menu for the webinars that are upcoming. If you're an NCIA member, the webinars are complimentary included in your membership. So go ahead and register you and your team uh, to get involved in this webinar. And if you're not an NCIA member, I believe there's just a small fee for you to register to watch as well. But you may as well just join as a member of NCIA. All right, let's take that last commercial break and we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Sumit and Cliff from NCIA's Banking and Finance Committee. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, chatting with a couple of members from NCIA's Banking and Finance Committee, Sumit Mehta and Cliff Watmore. Uh, So we've been talking a bit about raising money and the ways to raise money in in the cannabis industry. And I, I wonder, as we wrap up here, what other advice you might have that you'd like to convey to the business owners or future business owners in the cannabis industry about raising capital and maybe some of the hurdles that might not be so obvious right away uh, and, and maybe some do's and don'ts or a good way to frame things. My, my mind certainly enjoys do's and don'ts. Uh, Sumit, would you like to offer some of that advice for listeners? Sure thing, Bethany. For companies that are looking to raise capital, it is crucial that your books are in order for investors to do their diligence on your business. This is one of the things that we see very often, far too often for comfort in the industry is that companies are simply not prepared with the documentation that they need at a minimum for investors to make decisions that might work in the company's favor. These documents include a pitch deck that is professionally prepared, five years of pro forma financials, good accounting and books that will pass an auditor's muster, and a business valuation that can support a raise that is both not too dilutive as well as is presented with terms that are fair so that both parties can begin a relationship rather than conclude a transaction. There are Of course, now with digital marketing, other things that we have found that help tremendously, one of those is a video that a founder can use to pitch their business to a potential investor. And if I can learn from that founder all about their business by watching a five-minute video, that is certainly more attractive than spending the, the, the 30 to 45 minutes it might take to learn some of the same information otherwise. Those are just a few of the tips. We have plenty more, but I will respect the uh, the time that we have here, Bethany. <laughs> yeah, sounds like there could be a whole webinar on this. <laughs> or, or, hey, we have events coming back uh, in later 2021, like our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference in Detroit in September and the seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in San Francisco in December. We'll actually get to go to panel sessions and and learn uh, from experts like you and others 
and and we'll be doing the elbow bumps. <laughs> uh, Cliff, do you have any advice also to offer for business owners or future business owners, some of the hurdles or mm -hmm. do's and don'ts? Well, I, I think that uh, what Sumit said is is definitely key. The one thing I'll, I'll add is no matter what stage you're at in your business, you need to behave and conduct your your mannerisms like you're going to be raising capital down the road. You know, you need to concentrate on your early champions, the people that will support you, whether that's customers or bankers. And you really need to spend what capital you have in the right way. And by that, I mean your social capital. Make sure that when it's time to do a proper, fully decked, fully financial, fully valued uh, fundraising, that you have not made a behavioral faux pas uh, six months earlier that's going to push certain people away. Make sure that you don't alienate your, the people that have been with you in the beginning. And it's really important in this day and age to really watch behaviors and support things. And, you know, it's always good to dance like nobody's watching, but sometimes it's good to uh, do a nice little curtsy when you're in front of the camera. That was very well said. I like that. <laughs> so it sounds like it it's not like Shark Tank, the TV show. There's there's a lot more to it than coming up and doing your little song and dance. Um, and also don't be a jerk. I, th I think that's great advice just for everybody, but particularly when you're raising money and, and launching your business. Don't forget the little people, the people that supported you in the beginning in your first round of fundraising for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm, thanks, mm -hmm. thanks for all that advice. And before we, um, before we wrap up, I think it's important to mention that the Safe Banking Act has been reintroduced in both the House and the Senate in this new 117th Congress. We're so excited. So call to action for everybody listening. Call your representatives, call your senators. If they're not already a co-sponsor of these bills in either House, ask them to support it and tell them why. And if they are, because on the House side, we have well over 100 co-sponsors already for the Safe Banking Act. Thank them, thank them for their support. Um, so before we wrap up, we've got just a minute or so here. Um, what else is happening with the Banking and Finance Committee this week other than getting that Safe Banking Act pushed through, Sumit? Well, we have lots, uh, lots happening on the horizon, Bethany. Some of what we are doing is taking what is a fairly comprehensive set of skills. When you when you say banking and finance, that could mean a lot of different things. And we are helping educate not only the other committees within the NCA, but certainly the broader the broader industry at large through things such as this podcast, but also through the written word and the the webinar that you mentioned that's coming up. And uh, one of the, I think one of the, the things that would benefit companies a lot is to learn about things such as the Safe Banking Act that can help them with their businesses, help them with their funding and help them grow in a compliant manner. And whether it's accounting, tax, compliance, getting the appropriate registration for licenses, getting a bank account opened, understanding how commercial banking versus investment banking can help your business. 
I would encourage folks to look at the resources that are being put out by the, by the NCIA and specifically the Banking and Finance Committee and to reach out for any help that, uh, that people might need to, to grow their businesses in any of these areas. Uh, we are very blessed to have people like Cliff and many others that are specialists in their field and we're all here to help. So I would share with listeners, don't be shy. That's awesome. Uh, we've run out of time, unfortunately. I'd love to have you uh, and other members of the committee back on the show soon as, as we make more progress on the Safe Banking Act and other issues. In the meantime, check out NCIA's website for blogs and other resources provided by NCIA members and committees on all these topics and more. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.